Hello, everyone, and welcome to Riley Hamilton's Spooky Hour, or as it is known on the podcast app, Riley Hamilton's 31 Days of Halloween, uh, the podcast where I tell a very scary story for every single day of the 31 days of October all the way up until Halloween. Uh, There have been, I believe, six stories so far, some of the scariest stories that people have ever heard. People have been emailing me saying that they've been having uh, regular nightmares, usually due to the things that I have been talking about on this podcast. Ghosts, monsters, the graveyard story that I told, and then last yesterday's The Giggling Ghost, one of the scariest stories I've ever told. The, uh, The stats on my podcast are pretty good, 51 total plays. Um, an estimated audience size of seven people, but obviously that I think is a little wrong um, because I'm sure there's more than seven people listening. Um, it says estimated, so I assume it, it, they might try to downplay how many people. And then my most popular story so far has 18 uh, plays, which there's also some room for error there. It could be a lot more. And then 94% of my listeners are in the United States, but there's 1% are coming from the United Kingdom, 1% in New Zealand, and 1% in Sweden. So there are a lot of people who love these sort of uh, London uh, tales that I've been telling. And for some reason, Swedish people are enjoying it. So if you are from Sweden or New Zealand or United Kingdom, it is so amazing to have you listening. Um, I guess everyone, no matter where you're from in the world, you want to be scared uh, on Halloween. So I love that. I also found out that my, uh, demographics of my audience, 50% female, 50% male, and even split. And then I've got, uh, a huge amount of listeners that are 23 to 27, which is a prime demo, uh, one of the best. And then I've got a huge demographic of 45 to 59 year old listeners, which is amazing. I I love it. It's like an even spread. Uh, There's no, unfortunately, 29 to 34 or 35 to 44 listeners, but I don't mind. The demographics uh, of my age brackets sort of look like a a field goal uh, post in football where there's the two, you know, the two... uh, bar charts of those age groups I said and then there's sort of this dip where nobody's listening uh, from that age range in the beginning but that doesn't matter that's kind of getting into the specifics of of who's been listening and it doesn't matter at all whoever is listening it's just you should be proud to be one of the 51 people who have uh, enjoyed this podcast and I would love to hear from you so if you are listening and you love the podcast and you've had a nightmare or you just want to talk about how much you love the podcast feel free to tweet me at Riley, R-I-L-E-Y, or email me at Riley's 31 Days of Halloween. That's Riley's with an S, R-I-L-E-Y-S, 31, the number, 31, Days of Halloween. A lot of people are also asking how they can support this podcast, um, which is a very nice thing to hear because I obviously do this for free. I'm not making any money from uh, sponsorships or ads. Um, I wanted to keep it sort of a, a uh, ad-free experience, obviously, because there's nothing worse than listening to a really spooky story and then me having to cut out to read uh, some ad copy about, uh, you know, Folgers Coffee or, or Casper Mattress or anything silly like that. Those are not scary things. So this is ad-free. So I'm not making any money on it. So if you want, um, my Venmo is... Riley Hamilton, just like how 
it's spelled on the podcast. And uh, Riley Hamilton, you'll see a photo that looks sort of like me, the one. Just, you'll, yeah, you'll see it. And you can Venmo me whatever you want. Uh, I absolutely would take anything. Because any little bit of money, whether it's $20, $30, $50, $100, it it all helps. So thank you so much. So just Venmo me whenever you can, and I can continue to make this an ad-free experience. Today's story, which for Wednesday, October 7th, is the tale, I'm sorry, the hunt for L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body. This was written by Anonymous, actually a defected Scientologist who does not want to be named, and they gave me this story free of copyright because they felt it was so important and they wanted to get it out there. So this is the tale of L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body. Dr. Thomas Pinsky did not care for soup nearly as much as his sexually attractive partner, Dr. Samantha Belk, did. Pinsky preferred many foods to soup if he was given the option. Pizza was a big one, nearly at the top of the list. Maybe next time we should get pizza, Pinsky said, putting what he had just thought into words. Hmm, that's an interesting idea. I really like soup, though, Belk said, half-heartedly. Pinsky sighed loudly and tried again. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big soup fan too, but for whatever reason, I got a pizza craving just then. Belk smiled and continued to slurp on her snurt soup. I can't believe we have to hunt for L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body tomorrow, Pinsky said, ignoring the cues for him to stop talking. Belk perked up. I can't believe it either. It's going to be quite a hunt. Pinsky started to get horny but he let it pass. There would be plenty of time to get horny during their hunt for the frozen body of L. Ron Hubbard. Pinsky started to laugh, but quickly silenced himself with his big bowl of soup. It was predictably hot in Florida that day, but Belk had insisted on ordering one of the hotter soups on the menu. The soup had some peppers in it, so it was not only hot from a temperature standpoint, but also on the spicy scale. Pinsky guessed it was about 60,000 on the Scoville scale for heat. I have to ask you, Dr. Belk, what made you decide on this particular soup or soup in general for your meal today? Pinsky asked playfully. Well, this may sound silly, Dr. Pinsky, but my father died on this day 10 years ago, and he was one of the biggest fans of snurt soup, and any soup, really. Oh my god, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's okay, it's been 10 whole years, Belk said, and just so we're being honest with each other, you didn't have to order soup also. And I wouldn't have either, Pinsky said, except my mother told me to always copy a dame's order. Pinsky took the napkin bib out of his shirt and stood up abruptly. He hit the table a little bit, and the cups shook. He flagged down a waiter and asked where the nearest toilet was in the restaurant. He left Belk to think about what he had said about copying a dame's order. It would be hard searching for L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body, but Belk couldn't think of a better person to lead the exposition, expedition than Dr. Thomas Pinsky. He was an A-plus scientist and also looked like he had tons of big muscles underneath his lab coat. 
Maybe this adventure wouldn't be so bad, Dr. Belk thought to herself, and then let out a loud giggle in the restaurant. Before the giggle could finish, though, she silenced it with her big bowl of soup and then waited for Dr. Pinsky to come out of the bathroom so she could play it cool again. Belk was worried. It wasn't like Dr. Pinsky to stay in the bathroom for over 10 minutes. He was usually a very quick restroom user and never overstayed his welcome while he was in there. She was frequently surprised at how fast he would get done with everything, which was why this unusually long restroom time worried her so much. He had a fear of public restrooms, he had said. Anyone coming into the restroom while he was in there would completely interrupt whatever he was doing at the time. But before she could get too worried, there he was coming toward her. He had a fresh shave, and he had changed his shirt. He looked even sexier, in Belk's humble opinion. But she'd be damned if she was going to let him know that. Sorry, I had a pee and poop combo, Pinsky said. But don't worry, I washed my hands. He flicked the water from his clean fingers toward her, and only a few drops got into her face and soup. Very funny, doctor, Belk said. She was getting tired of their cat and mouse game. They were two sexy scientists, and neither of them liked playing by the rules. Belk had to remember what Watkins had said right before they left for their mission. You two are going on this mission to hunt for L. Ron Hubbard's body, not to kiss each other, Watkins had said back at the secret laboratory. And here they were, slurping up hot soup and trying not to think about the one thing they were both thinking about. Where did Watkins get us a hotel, Pinsky said, after chugging some of his soup. On Alligator Alley, of all things, Belk said. He said it would toughen us up for when we have to fight the guards at the entrance to L. Ron Hubbard's tomb. Watkins is a big idiot, but I love him, Pinsky said. I love Watkins too, but that's all I love, Belk said. Pinsky's eyes darted back and forth. Well, he's all I, I love too. I don't love anything or anyone else. Good, Belk said. Should we go? I'm tired, and we have so much to do tomorrow. Watkins said, our boat leaves at 5 in the morning. Pinsky raised his bowl of soup to his lips and chugged the rest. Belk thought that he might make a big burp after chugging all that soup because he had done that yesterday, but he didn't even come close to letting one out this time. Let's get out of here, Pinsky said, taking his empty bowl of soup with him out of the restaurant. Belk took a mental picture of him so that she could masturbate to it later. On their way back to the car, they saw a strange symbol on a sewage cap in the middle of the road. That looks like the Hubbard symbol, Pinsky shouted. Belk ran as fast as she could into the road and slid like a baseball player onto the cap. She would have major road rash later. Several cars were honking as Pinsky ran slapdash into the street. Lift the cap, Belk screamed. Lift the cap. Pinsky ripped off his shirt pulled his long hair into a ponytail, and then ran to grab something to pry it open with. People continued to honk their car horns. He found a large branch on one side of the road and ran back to Belk. Belk pulled out the Hypnotron from her bag and tried to use it on the passengers in the cars. Their angry faces let her know that it still wasn't working. Pinsky had taken the Hypnotron to a college party the day before and left it on an active beer pong table overnight. I'm losing it over here, Belk screamed. Pinsky jabbed one side of the branch into the open space on the sewage cap. He pointed to Belk and then pushed the other end of the branch down to the road. The cap lifted. Dive in, Dr. Belk, P 
Penske said. Belt gave two middle fingers to all of the motorists that had been kept waiting and slid into the hole in the road. Penske heaved the lid up as far as he could and dived under it before it could fall back on his head. He fell 10 feet before he splashed into the sewer stream. Penske raised his head out of the muck and saw Belk lying back on one side of the concrete banks along the sewer wall. My Vinci knee highs are ruined, Belk said. She lifted one of the boots up and dumped all of the sewage water out. Penske pushed himself up onto the bank and laid back next to Belk. I don't think that was the Hubbard symbol. I swallowed a mouthful of sewage water. I think I need to go to the hospital. I'll take you to the emergency room later tonight, Penske said. What's that? He pointed to a flash of light from deeper in the sewage tunnel. It was too dark to see the source. The beam darted back and forth quickly through the center of the tunnel. I'll check it out, he said. You lie back and try to puke out all of that water. Okay, Belk said. Be safe. You know damned well I'll be safe, he said, and gave her a thumbs up. He ran to where he had seen the flash of light. His feet splashed in the mush of the sewage. Who's down there? Pinsky shouted. I'm a scientist! Only the sound of his stupid, high-pitched voice echoed back at him. His feet made squishing sounds, and each pull of his legs upward took more strength than he was willing to offer. Who is down there? Please tell me! I'm scared! Pinsky shrieked. I'm you! The voice called back from the darkness, reverberating along the concrete walls of the sewer. You're me? Pinsky shrieked into the tunnel. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just an old man down here. Who are you? Show yourself, old man. I'm scared of you, Pinsky said. There was giggling from the darkness, and then a sloshing sound happened, and the man slowly appeared under an overhead sewer light. He was right about himself. He was an old man wearing a robe. I heard that there were two scientists who may be on the way to find L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body. Well, that's not us. Oh no, the old man said. Well, then that's my mistake. I'm so old. No problem, sir. Now, if you don't mind, my partner and I will be leaving. And so you wouldn't be interested in finding the sewer tunnel to where Hubbard is frozen? No, Pinsky and Belk said at the same time. Okay, then. I guess I'll just get back to the old folks' home. Pinsky broke first. No, 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 please. You're right. We're the scientists looking for Elrond's body. Please take us there. The old man laughed long and hard. I am humored! He screamed. The laughter from the old man was contagious, and Belk and Pinsky got completely caught up in it. They laughed along with this old man from the sewer. I still have to laugh more, the old man said. But you can please begin to follow me now toward what you seek. Pinsky leaned in and whispered to Belk. How does he know that we need to find the Hubbard corpse? I trust him, Belk said. There's something about him that I trust. Pinsky was not in the mood to argue today. His eyes stung from whatever was in the sewage water, and his tiny ass hurt from when, where he had landed on it. I'm not in the mood to argue, he said. Let's follow this man who is still laughing. The old man finally stopped laughing and turned back to them to check their progress. 
Can't keep up with an old man, eh? The old man said. Maybe you can swim to me to make it faster. No, we'll just walk faster, Pinsky said. He gave Belk a questioning look, but she didn't return one. She just walked faster, like he had said that he would, to the old man. May I ask your name, old man? Belk said. You may! It's Wimper. Dr. Sammy Wimper, he said. You're also a doctor? Wimper stopped sloshing in the sewage and looked back at them. He was no longer laughing as heartily as before. A doctor of medicine, yes. But that's not all there is to me. I've been called many things in my life. Mr. Wimpers, Professor Wimp, Dr. Wimper, and they all suit me just fine. Well, that's great to hear, Pensky said. So, the Elron Hubbard Tunnel is around here somewhere? Yes. Just up this way. You all never told me. What do you need to do once you get to L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body? Well, that, sir, is classified, Dr. Belk said. She was getting tired of this old, old man that they were following, Dr. Wimpers. Well, that's fine with me. I don't mind showing two decorated scientists where L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body is. But just please tell me you won't hurt him. Dr. Wimper said. No, we're not going to hurt him, Dr. Pinsky said. We just want to see him. Isn't that right, Belk? Yeah, yeah, we just want to see him, Dr. Belk said. It's interesting. That's all. We're just looking for him, and then when we find him, we hope to just see him. Isn't that right, Pinsky? Yeah, yeah, we just want to see the body of L. Ron Hubbard. So nothing weird, right? Nothing weird at all. Pinsky winked at Belk because Dr. Wimpers was ahead of them and couldn't see the wink. I can't walk for much longer. I am so tired. I think I need to sleep. If you keep walking up towards the left-hand side, you'll see a tunnel marked with the symbol of Hubbard. There you will find the chamber that will take you to Elron Hubbard's frozen body. Now, if you'll excuse me, I think I'd like to lay down for a while. Just rest my eyes. You know, just a quick nap. They watched as Dr. Wimpers fell down face first in the sewage and it was clear instantly to these two students of science that Dr. Wimpers was dead. He had fulfilled his last mission which was helping these two scientists finally find L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body. Pinsky walked up slowly to Dr. Wimper's corpse and softly pushed it aside so that him and Belk could continue on their journey. Dr. Wimper's corpse bounced around in the sewage water for about five seconds and then finally enough sewage water enveloped it and he went down and sunk 
back into the sewage water. It was a beautiful sight. Thank you, Dr. Wimpers, Belk said. He was a good man, Pinsky said, and I'm not ashamed to say that he was one of the coolest older men I've ever met. I agree with that hypothesis, Belk said. Although we both concur that there is no heaven, if there was and it was able to be scientifically proven, you know Dr. Wimpers would be there. That is in fact true for me, Dr. Belk said. If in fact we were able to conclusively determine that heaven was an actual place through the scientific method, then I agree that Dr. Wimpers was the kind of person whose morality would dictate that he would get to enter heaven as well. Well, this is a farcical conversation, Pinsky said, because there's no evidence of heaven, and most likely, Dr. Wimpers has just disengaged from our reality and will spend eternity in darkness and death. I concur with that hypothesis as well, based off what I currently know, uh, based off the afterlife and the scientific method, Belk said. She was sort of getting worn down by this discussion. Look, there's the Hubbard symbol that Wimpers was talking about, Dr. Pinsky said. There it was, the beautiful, beautiful gold crest that had the silhouette of L. Ron Hubbard's beautiful, beautiful face from the 1950s photo where he was the head of the Sea Org as the commander of the ship. And then you could see the small little silhouettes of a hundred of the Sea Org people standing behind him. And etched in gold were the words, our wonderful captain, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology. It was a beautiful plaque, no matter what your religion was. Well, based on Dr. Wimpers' theory, Belk said, that would mean that, in effect, the way towards L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body is through that tunnel there to the left, which was indicated by Dr. Wimpers. I concur, Dr. Pinsky said. They trudged on. For some reason, the sewage water was a little higher in this tunnel and far stinkier, in Belk's opinion. Despite the stink and the high amount of sewage water, they trudged on. Two scientists dedicated completely to the mission that Watkins had sent them on. It was only about 40 steps until they were able to see a beautiful steel door closed on both sides, sort of like a arched steel door with a line down the middle that was closed and then two guards standing on either side of it. They were knee-deep in sewage water protecting this steel interest entrance. And if there needed to be any more evidence that this was the entrance to L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body, that same symbol was up above the door, the exact same symbol as the one they had seen entering this tunnel. There couldn't have been more evidence that this was clearly the entrance to L. Ron Hubbard's frozen body. When Dr. Pinsky was 24 in the year 1986, he had always wondered why L. Ron Hubbard had frozen his body when he died. How could he have foreseen that science 
at this point in the year 2027 would be able to reanimate a frozen body. He must have been so smart, and he clearly was. He had written an amazing book called Dianetics that was a bestseller for a year on the New York Times bestseller list and had currently sold 1.6 million copies. And he founded a religion called Scientology, which was sort of interesting as well. But it was Dianetics that appealed most to Dr. Pinsky and Dr. Belk. In their years of research since 1985, they had never found a book that was more profound and accurate to the state of things ever in their 20 years of researching who had the best opinions on the state of the world. It was L. Ron Hubbard who did, and that's why they were on this mission. Belk, check the hypnotron. I bet it'll work now. All the beer from yesterday will probably have dried. Okay, but I don't know if it will, Belk said. Maybe. Let me check. She took the hypnotron that they had invented out of her purse and flipped the switch. It glowed green. The hypnotron was back and working, just like it always was before Dr. Pinsky had left it on a beer pong table. Aim it at them, Dr. Pinsky said. Okay, Belk said. She aimed the hypnotron directly at the two guards and watched as the green circular rays beamed out of the hypnotron and towards the two guards. It instantly zapped them and both guards started acting completely silly exactly like the hypnotron was supposed to do. They thought they were two chickens. They started clucking and bucking like two chickens and they started clucking and bucking and waving their arms and doing chicken noises and chicken dances exactly as how it had been scientifically devised uh, through their use of the hypnotron. It worked exactly like all of the clinical trials that had been done throughout the years. The hypnotron worked perfectly. These guards clucked and bucked and did everything that a chicken does it was perfect from human <laughs> to chicken a extremely effective trial was now proven true because it worked like a charm watkins would be so pleased when they got back to the laboratory because this was his pride and joy and it had worked belk couldn't help but giggle a little bit when she saw these two guards clucking just like chickens Pensky couldn't help but laugh as well it was a rare moment where dr Pensky and dr belk laughed at the same time it was like they had their own private joke it was endearing Pensky thought to see belk laugh this way they weren't normally ever in the same state of mind where they were both laughing at the same thing that happened it kind of brought them closer together. Belk looked at Pinsky, and she was feeling the same thoughts as him. They rarely laughed like this. This was fun. How about a high five? Belk said. This was unusual for her. She didn't normally offer out a high five that often, but Pinsky graciously took it. Sure, I'll high five you back. They missed the first time they tried, and the second time they did one of those limp high fives where 
their hands didn't fully touch and it just hit the the rim of the side of the hand near the thumb but then on the third try it was perfect cluck 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 the two guards said they were two chickens now and they had discovered each other as chickens so they were playing the two chicken guards were circling and squawking at each other just as if they were two chickens in a coop okay we have 30 minutes before the Hypnotron wears off on these guys, so let's just go forward into L. Ron Hubbard's laboratory, Penske said. That sounds good to me, Belk said. They were in agreement. They should keep going on their mission. Once the guards were acting like chickens, getting into the entrance of L. Ron Hubbard's laboratory was a cinch. Belk easily walked up to the clucking chicken guard and took the entrance key off of his key ring. Well, that was easy, Belk said. Yeah, as easy as pie. With the Hypnotron creating a chicken-like behavior model for these two guards, they have been reduced to chicken behavior, and they do not act at all like their human selves, Pinsky said. I agree as well with that hypothesis, Dr. Belk said, and I wouldn't mind doing another high five now that we're sort of in the swing of it. Pinsky agreed with that as well, and this time it only took two tries to get the perfect high five between the two of these wonderful scientists. Pinsky now waited as Belk put the electronic key into the keyhole and these steel doors protecting L. Ron Hubbard opened up to reveal the most amazing laboratory they had ever seen in their lives. It was all white as most laboratories were with a bunch of different vials everywhere, green and purple and red vials of liquids. And there were also shelves containing multiple neatly stacked papers. And there were clean steel tables with different instruments on them, scientific instruments and beakers and so many other things that they had come to expect from a scientific laboratory but a better version of each of them that they had seen. They were used to sort of shitty stuff that they had had in their prior lab, so this was kind of shocking to see such an amazing, clean, beautiful lab with this type of equipment, which was on a par with nothing they had ever seen. But the centerpiece of the lab had to be the clear cylinder chamber filled with water that had L. Ron Hubbard's floating body in the center of it. He looked just as they had expected. He was naked, except for a diaper, floating in water with a bunch of different tubes attached to his body. Two different tubes in each of his nostrils, one tube in his mouth, one tube connected to where his butt, it seemed, was behind him, one for his penis, and then four different tubes at various different spots of his body, one near his heart. Scientologists had easily faked that L. Ron Hubbard had died around 1985, and the L. Ron Hubbard before them clearly looked like the 67-year-old man that he had been in 1985 when they had all, all faked his death. He looked just as vibrant as a living body. His skin was pink and sort of just like human skin and his hair 
was flowing beautifully ensconced around his head in little tendrils from the water and he was just as fit as he had been in life with a muscular torso and muscular legs and two muscly arms and a six-pack to finish out the whole physique well let me press the button and get him out of there dr pinsky said there was a gigantic red button near the side of the chamber holding L. Ron Hubbard's body, and Pinsky pressed it. The doors of the chamber opened, and all of the water rushed out. L. Ron Hubbard followed. He swooshed down into the lab in a pool of water, and all of his tubes ripped off of his body. There he was, lying there on the floor, down by their feet. He instantly was in the fetal position, like a newborn baby, with just a white diaper surrounding where his butt and penis were. Pinsky and Belked looked down, and then L. Ron Hubbard opened his eyes and looked back up at them. He croaked. Water dribbled out of his mouth on the ground. Don't worry. Don't push it. It's going to be a while before you can speak, Dr. Belk said. More water dripped out of L. Ron Hubbard's little mouth. What? Here is it? They could understand him. It hadn't taken long at all. L. Ron Hubbard was so strong that he was instantly able to talk. What year is it? He had asked. It's the year 2020, L. Ron, Pinsky answered. You've been in this chamber for almost 30 years. <laughs> Who is president? Belk didn't need a translator for that one either. Who was the president? Well, that's what we're here to see you about, Dr. Belk said. Donald Trump just got elected for his second term. Oh, Dianetics. Dianetics. That's right, Elron. Dianetics was right. You predicted it. And now we need your help to stop it. The pill. You have the pill. Dr. Belk had expected this as well. She grabbed the blue pill from her right breast pocket and threw it up so that L. Ron Hubbard could catch it in his little, little mouth. It worked like Popeye with spinach because L. Ron Hubbard instantly shook off his waterlogged state and was able to stand completely. He looked like a golden god again with all of his muscles, and he was breathing normal, and his eyes, his little irises were bright blue, and his blonde hair shone beautifully in the light of the lab. Well, Belk, well, Pinsky, it looks like we've got a challenge up ahead of us. We've got to stop Donald Trump. <laughs> 
from completing his second term as president. Now find me some clothes and let's get to work. This was music to Dr. Pinsky and Dr. Belk's ears. Yes, sir, they both said at the same time. And now that they had learned how to high five together, they did a perfect one right in front of L. Ron Hubbard. To be continued. Well, thank you so much for bearing with me for that one. I think it was a little longer than a lot of the stories I tell. Unfortunately, uh, I just didn't think about it, and I chose a really long story. But hopefully you liked it, and uh, I guess unfortunately it is a to-be-continued story because there's a lot more that I need to go into. But I will be reading the end of that story, uh, if you guys all liked it, um, towards the end of the month. But uh, thank you so much for sticking with me. And I hope that you had a spooky time with me today. And I hope you're ready for more stories because I think that there's 25 of them more, or 24. I've lost count. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you have a nightmare, I'm not responsible because that's the point. Riley Hamilton's 31 Days of Halloween will continue tomorrow. <laughs>